The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How many times have you wished you could walk into a casino, sit down at a blackjack table, and start taking chips off the table because you're smarter than the casino? Well, it doesn't happen for everybody, but there are a few people that know how to do that. And those people tend to be professional card counters. And I happen to have one with us here right now. And this episode uh, is the inside track on how to beat the dealer, take money off the table in Vegas, and how to make that happen. So uh, with us now, uh, a different name because there's a, a certain amount of anonymity that needs to go along with this. Michael, thank you. Uh, welcome to the show. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Well, thanks very much for, uh, for joining us. So uh, how long have you been playing cards? I have been playing cards now for about 30 years. Uh, my first actual trip to Vegas um, as an adult over the age of 21 was uh, 1986-87 New Year's Eve. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, know, give, give uh, us a little so, – so, wait a second. So, um, we'll get to your backstory here in a minute. Okay, but, um, sure. Have you – so, I mean, have you actually gone into a casino and, and, and predictably – I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, not just like one time you got lucky, but, you know, where you go over and over again. I mean, are you over and over again able to take dollars off the table? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, um, I have, uh, unfortunately I've visited, um, several casinos, um, one too many times over the years. And, uh, cause I was so, I, you know, there's, there's the skill factor of course, but there's always that little bit of, uh, you know, that, that, that superstitious luck factor and some casinos you just seem to run a little bit better in than other casinos again that's all superstition and luck but you know by and large there, there are a few of them and I, I i spent too much time in a few of them and uh uh you know eventually uh i got the tap on the shoulder which we can get into shortly but uh and then, yeah and so, just uh, for people that don't know what that means the tap on the shoulder is their polite way of telling you get your butt out of the casino and don't it, ever come back exactly exactly that's it's called a barring and there's, yeah, there's, getting, there's two getting types. Hard, there's, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a soft bar and a hard bar, and we can get into that shortly. But yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been soft barred before, several times actually. So <laughs> yeah, well, not, not a good feeling. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound fun. So well, listen. No. So um, so you've played. You've been playing for a long time. Um, yes. I mean, is this something you just, is it something like a knack? You just had a knack for it or where did this come from? Yeah. So, um, you know, I went, I, like I said, I went to Vegas, uh, the new year's Eve of, uh, 1986, 87. And I actually, uh, stayed and played, if you can believe it or not at the circus circus at that time, didn't know one casino from another. Thought that was kind of fun with all the, trapeze artists and all the circus clowns and everything in it and um lo and behold at the end of the weekend i won 350 dollars playing blackjack now uh mind you at the time 1980 86 87 i was uh about 26 years old 350 bucks you know 30 plus years ago and it was it was it was a decent little uh hit of of money i took out of the casino there and i was like wow this is great um, I, and, and I went back six months later, literally, and um, playing blackjack. And again, not really knowing what I was doing, I won an additional 150 bucks. So between the two trips, I won $500 in, within six months, and I was absolutely hooked. And that, that's all it took. A couple of, couple of wins very early on in my career, got hooked, the rest is history. <laughs> well, I mean, so, I mean, how did, how did you learn how to play blackjack? I mean, is it, I mean, everybody knows the rules of the game, but right. what do you know how to do as a counter that the rest of us uh, do not know how to do? Okay. So first of all, um, I, I got hooked uh, back in the, uh, the mid to late eighties, as I told you, and I started playing and didn't really know, you know, a double down from a split and a this to that. And I just, I played horribly and I started losing. Obviously, I just I got lucky. This, like I said, the first couple of times, got hooked, and then I just started losing and losing consistently. And I said to myself right then and there, in my in my mid to late twenties, I love this game. If I want to keep playing, I have to educate myself because I did know enough. I, I knew enough at the time that the game was mathematically beatable. I did know that, and I said, if I'm going to continue to play this game. I, I have to be able to beat it and make money at it and be profitable. There's no way I'm going to continue playing this game and handing money to these casinos. So what I did is I got out um, uh, some books. Um, you know, I, 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 I went to the library, I went to the bookstores, whatever, uh, maybe a little bit of online. I don't know if it was started then, but uh, uh, I think my first book that I got was the famous book by Edward Thorpe who's a uh, mathematics professor uh, from MIT and then eventually uh, UCLA. Anyhow, he wrote the best-selling blackjack book called Beat the Dealer. And that was one of the first books I read. And I just, I really got sucked into it then. And I was like a sponge and I just kept reading and reading. And then I got some more books and I just, I, I educated myself, got really good at, um, and started practicing literally at home on the, on the kitchen table. And one thing led to another. I finally brought my uh, my blackjack IQ to the casinos. Of course, it took a little a little getting used to in a live casino because it's a lot different in a in a in a real live casino than it is on your kitchen table at home. Trust me, big difference. But 
eventually I got used to, you know, the lights and the noises and the dealers and the pit bosses and the cocktail waitresses. And the, I, I, and, and I started, I started to produce, I started to make money. I was becoming profitable. And, and you talk about a rush. It was, it was unbelievable. It was amazing. And that's, that's how, so really just educating myself uh, by reading and practicing. And, and then of course, you know, trial and error in the casino. And, and I really, I just, I took off from there. All right. Well, listen, you know, uh, we talk about the inside track and if we're going to give people the inside track, I need you to kind of, you know, give us a little bit more detail. So sure. what exactly did you learn how to do? What exactly were you practicing, you know, so that people kind of have a sense about what it is. I listen, right. I, I know plenty enough about this game. I, I do know a little bit uh, about what you're doing, but, uh, I mean, you're clearly at another level, but what exactly were you doing? Okay. So what, what the way, uh, the game, the casino game of 21 or better known as blackjack is beaten is basically through the art of card counting and card counting is basically this. It's not remembering, you know, the queen of diamonds or the three of hearts or the seven of spades. It's got nothing to do with that. Card counting is basically a weighing and unweighing of high cards versus low cards that come out of the deck. And what you do is, in a nutshell, you provide a, a, a digit, either a plus one, a minus one, or a neutral figure to the cards that come out as the dealer is dealing. So for example, um, when, a, when a, a two through six hits the table, that's considered a low card. And since that's coming out of the deck, since that's, that's being removed from the deck, those cards, two through six, are given a plus one. So, so let's say a, a, a two of spades and a three of hearts comes out, your count right now automatically went to plus two. Okay, now the reciprocal to uh, that is when the high cards come out. And the high cards are your 10, jack, queen, king, and ace. When those cards come out of the deck and they hit the table, those are given a minus one. Okay, and the reason we give plus one and minus one is because, simply put, when there are fewer small cards left in the remaining deck, Okay, so let's say you're playing, for, for our example here today, let's say we're playing at a single deck table, okay? And a bunch of small cards have come out. That means what's left in the deck are high cards, you know, tens, tens jack, queen, kings, and aces. That is good for the player, okay? And the reason it's good for the player, there's several reasons, but here, here are a couple of the two, three main reasons. The reason that the high cards left in the deck are good for the player is because, number one, you're going to get more blackjacks. Now, it's true, the dealer will get also more blackjacks, too. But the difference is, is that when you as a player get a blackjack, you get paid three to two or one and a half times your bet. When the dealer gets a blackjack and you don't have a blackjack, you, they take your even money. Okay? So, so, again, you're getting one and a half times your bet when you get the blackjack the dealer only takes even money. So if you trade blackjacks all night long, you're going to be 50% ahead financially over the house. 
So there is number one major reason that it's why it's positive to um, have you know the high cards remaining in the deck. The second reason, second big reason, is when you go to double down. You know, let's say let's say there's a lot of tens left in the deck, and you just happen to get a seven and a four for an eleven. Well, obviously your chances are much better of you receiving a ten and getting an you know an unbeatable twenty one. Uh, versus the dealer, which is which is what you want. So that's another reason why that um, if the remaining deck has a lot of tens left, it, it's good for you because you 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 end up successfully making more of your double downs. And and there are other reasons too. Um, well, a, another uh, another big reason is that the dealer's forced to hit on sixteen. Oh, so yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's, when the, when that's the dealer the, has one of those really right. quick hands at the right. end, a ten blows them right. off. Right. Yeah. That's the other. That's the that's the other third major reason. And again, there's more, but the other major reason is that when there's, when there's a preponderance of tens left in the deck, the, and the dealer, as you know, uh, most people know that they, the dealer has to hit the house rules. The dealer has to hit on a hard 12 through hard 16. They're more likely to bust. And that's what you want. You want a busting dealer. So that, that's another great reason why, um, um, you know, uh, 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 a higher level of uh, of tens in the remaining deck are, are very advantageous for the player. So, right. so, so the whole so the whole concept is really pretty simple. All you're doing is you're uh, comparing the balance of tens, and when you start a brand new deck, there are uh, twelve high cards, which is um, uh, technically 10, six, sixteen. Jack, right? Well, sixteen all total, but you got uh, ten yeah. jack, queen, king, and ace. So those right. Those uh, five uh, times four uh, suits is twenty. Actually, twenty of them. Twenty. And then yeah. you got uh, you got the low cards. Yeah. So you got the two, three, four, five, six. Uh, there's twenty right. of those. And you, then right. You, so that's forty. And then you got those neutral, those zero value cards, which are seven, eight, nine. Which, so right. So a brand new deck, it's perfectly in balance, right? Exactly. So um, the other. Uh, so the the next the next feature that um, a card counter would use is a what's called a count. They have to keep a count um, of of the high and low cards. And and the industry standard, uh, I like to call it the industry standard, is what's known as the high low count. The high low count basically gives, like I said earlier, a minus one on. Um, uh, 10, 10 Jack, Queen, King, Ace, and then a plus one, two through six. So as these cards are coming out, you're, you're, you're giving that, that count, that, you know, plus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, minus two. And that, and it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's a weighing and unweighing of, uh, of those, just those integers, just a single integer. And um, that's, that's how you know when to place a big bet when the count is high, plus two, three, four, five, six. And and the reciprocal bet making a small or minimum, you know, uh, table bet when when the count is negative. So so, so obviously that, that part, um, the higher the count, the bigger the bet. Generally, that's also true with most professional card counters. Uh, the higher the count, uh, the bigger the bet. And usually, where most pros uh, start betting really big is. Uh, when there's what's known as a true count, and I can get into that in a few minutes, but uh, a true count of about plus four to five 
a true count of plus four or five, that's where you really start to send the money in. Now, unfortunately, when you send the money in, it raises some eyebrows. And that's usually where you got to be careful as a uh, professional card counter because that's when, that's, that's when you, know, you usually get the tap on the shoulder. And of course, I've been down that road. So you, you got to be careful because that's what they look for. They look, the casino looks for varying, large varying bets, wagers. In other words, a, a, a perfect example would be, let's say I come up to you know, a, 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 a table that has a $25 minimum. Okay. And the maximum is, uh, let's say, you know, 5,000. Okay. So uh, a card counter would come up and start betting 25, 20, 25, 25, 25. And then when the, when the, when the count gets really high midway through a deck or a shoe, all of a sudden the card counter will go to 500 just out of the blue. Now that's very unusual for a recreational gambler, a recreational blackjack player, but a professional knows when to bet big. So that's what they do. But like I said, the problem is that, that, that bet variance stands out to the casino. So you got to be careful on, on what we call um, bet spread. That's what so when we, talk, spread, when we so. talk about the inside track, you know, part of the inside track is looking normal when you're not normal. I mean, clearly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're trying to look like an average player when you're clearly not an average player, uh, but you want to uh, have somebody perceive you that way. I guess that's true in poker and all kinds of uh, games of skill. Right. right. Um, in fact, um, some of the professionals that um, I've known of and, you know, uh, you know just seen in different, different uh, media outlets, whatever, um, some of these professionals will actually um, they'll wear wigs, and fake noses they'll, they'll they'll go with all kinds of disguises uh, they'll come you know just or, or i've seen or heard of guys come in professional car counts that come in drunk or, or or they're believed to be drunk and they they they, they gargle with a little bit of uh, alcohol and uh you know they bring over like a like what looks like a mixed drink and you know they just they act all you know drunk and slobberish and and meanwhile behind that whole disguise is the most sharpest, you know, incredible <laughs> card counter, and they're and they're and they're doing their thing. Yeah, it's just it's amazing what what some of these professional card counters will do. So so yeah, so some of them really try and look so just typical, just high rolling gamblers, just out for a good time. But the reality is, they're 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 keeping a very accurate count, and they're they're going for the kill. So that's that's uh, that's that's pretty amazing that um, yeah that they go to yeah. those lengths to make it work. Absolutely. Is there really, all, tell me this, is there really that much money at stake? I mean, how much money can you make doing this? Well, it depends, uh, you know, on your level. Uh, obviously, if, um, if you're betting, uh, and I'll, I'll, throughout the interview, I'll use like, you know, color codes, but, you know, like red chip is $5 chips. So if you go to a table, you know, with, with a stack of red chips, let's say you have two, three, four hundred $400 in red chips, and, you know, you start with $5, $5, $5 bet, and then you bump it to, you know, 25 or 50, um, you, you know, te see technically what, uh, mathematically, uh, you're supposed to win is about 1% of your total action based on your average bet times 
the length of your betting session. Now, I know that was a little convoluted, but um, the reality is, is that uh, betting red chip level, you, you know, you might make, you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks an hour if you're really good. So it, it really depends on, you know, the level, you know, your bankroll, the level that you're, you're betting at. And most importantly, most important, what you can get away with in the casino. See, half the battle of a professional card counter is getting away with the, you know, the, the guys, the, you know, the, you know, the whole, the whole card counting thing. You're talking about the betting spread. Well, that too, getting away with the betting spread, just, and just, you know, just getting away with the whole card counting, you know, situation, because, you know, card counting not only involves bet, bet spreads, but it also involves some, uh, what we call basic strategy departure plays, meaning every once in a while you're going to depart from basic strategy. And basic strategy is, is really just the optimal way to play each and every uh, hand of blackjack, okay? No matter what you're dealt and then the dealer's, you know, up card, you have to play that a specific mathematically correct way, okay? That, that, that's the foundation of, of, of blackjack and card counting. You have to pay, play basic strategy a certain way. And that, basic, and that basic strategy was developed by, um, by Thorpe in the early 60s, right? That's the guy you were talking about who wrote that yeah, book. Yeah, he, he, yeah, there were, there were actually um, four mathematicians that worked for um, the military and believe it or not, they had some extra time on their hands. And this is this was in the in the late fifties. And they actually came out, believe it or not, on on desktop calculators, which took them many many months. It's a true story. Four 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 mathematicians that worked for the military, and they came up with a very uh, crude uh, uh, level of basic strategy. But it turned out their crude level of basic strategy was about about 90% accurate. Thorpe, Thorpe in the early 60s, Professor Thorpe at MIT had access to a, um, a mainframe uh, 704, I think it was, IBM computer. And over the course of about a year or two, he refined that basic strategy that he learned from um, these four military uh, mathematicians. Anyhow, long story short, he, he was, he's pretty much the godfather of of basic strategy and card counting, and he refined it to just the perfect, optimal uh, way to play each hand. And um, there's, I think, I think if I remember correctly, it's about 550 total hands between your first two initial cards and the dealer's single up card, that face up card. There's 550 total hands. And okay, of course, so, so let me so let me try to let me try to uh, just just summarize this here. So, um, so you have to count the cards. You have to keep track of uh, you know. Uh, what cards have come out of the deck and the ratio of, of cards, but you also have to play each hand that you're dealt perfectly. And there's no room Correct. for error here. I mean, any errors, your, your odds, I imagine. There's very little room. In fact, uh, even one error an hour uh, can, can, can considerably uh, uh, knock your, your, your profits down. So it's, 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 it's essential you play, you know, very accurate basic strategy, but yeah, go on. 
Okay, so so there's two two big things we just talked about so far. One is uh, the count. Two is the basic strategy. But you also meant you just threw in another little thing in there. Uh, you talked about some departures from basic right. strategy. Now I, that that sounds rather like an advanced maneuver. It, it is. It is. And and in a nutshell, what um, it's called um, uh, basic strategy departure play. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of extreme examples just so your audience can 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 get a grasp of this. But um, okay, so normally when let's say um, you get two tens, you know, or, or two value tens, like a, like you have a king and a queen, so you you have a you have a twenty, right? Which is a great hand in blackjack. But the dealer's showing a six as his his or her face up card, and the count at this point is extremely high. It's a very high positive count. High, high meaning that a lot of little cards are gone, a lot of, a lot of big cards are left. Exactly. Right. It's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, and um, the, uh, the math says at a specific count, you're actually supposed to split those tens against the dealer's six. You actually split those tens. Okay. And mathematically, that's a very profitable play for a professional card counter. Okay. And that's, listen, that, that's not, uh, that, that's something, if it was on TV, it would say at this point, uh, don't try this at home because that's, yeah. that's an advanced maneuver, you know, that you don't do right. that. Yeah. Well, I would yeah. imagine I, I, you were talking about what you can get away with. I mean, if I saw somebody splitting tens, I would probably think they're an idiot. Yeah. Well, they're, they're one of two people. The casinos know this. They're one of two people. They're either that idiot, you know, uh, gambler just just throwing caution to the wind, out for a great time, you know, just showing off to his buddies or whatever, or or that person is a highly skilled blackjack card counter. And the problem is it's not going to take the casino long to figure out which of the two you are. And that's that's the problem. Now, now, of course, that was an extreme example, splitting tens. That is a major red flag. But, but it's, it's a, if, if played correctly, it's a very successful and profitable play for a highly skilled uh, card counter. But, but, again, it's but wait a second. A but, if it get, if, but if it gets you kicked out of a casino, then yeah. one, making money on one hand isn't worth uh, the, the downside, is it? It, 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 it isn't. It isn't. Um, some of the most uh, highly respectable uh, blackjack card counters in, in our country and around the world actually would rather take longevity versus a few short profits in a casino. You'd rather, it, there's an old saying, it's better to, to shear a sheep for life than to skin it once. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the thing. Now you, yeah, you could make a lot of money in that one day that you, you, you know, you go crazy with some of these, you know, radical departure plays, but your, your shelf life is not very long. Trust, <laughs> trust me on that. Trust, trust me on that one. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's, again, that was just an extreme example. All right. Okay. Well, let's, 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 other subtle, I think, I think yeah. we kind of have laid land here. So you gotta, you gotta get a lot of skills. You gotta get your counting skills. You gotta get your card playing skills. Uh, if you get to the advanced level, you have maybe a couple of departures. Um, right. You talked about true count. You want to explain that real quick? Yeah, sure. Let me explain true count real quick. Okay. 
So um, as you're counting down a deck, and we'll, we'll stay with a single deck for now, okay? So as you're counting down a deck, um, the, count, the count's going to go up and down, right? Plus two, three, four, minus one, two, three, four. Okay. But the running count doesn't really give you an accurate count based on how much of the remaining deck is still left. So let me, let me just, if I can, let me give you a mathematical example here. So um, let's say uh, you're counting cards at a single deck. Uh, it's a freshly shuffled pack. And the dealer starts to shuffle. And let's say it's 13 cards. We'll keep this simple. 13 cards have come out of the deck. Okay. Well, there's 52 cards in a deck. 13 cards is one fourth yeah. of a deck or, or 25%. So, <clears throat> and let's just say, for example, this is just a hypothetical. Let's just say, for example, that um, your count is plus three. Okay. But you still have, you still have three quarters of that deck to be dealt. All right. So even though your, your count is plus three, um, because you, you have three quarters of a deck still to go, you have to convert that running count into a true count. And you do that simply by uh, a quick mathematical uh, equation. And, and when it comes to a single deck um, or, or, or a double deck or whatever, um, you, uh, a, a quarter deck that, uh, that has been dealt um, generally, okay, so, so 25%. So, so your, your count would be uh, plus, plus three um, uh, divided by uh, three quarters of a deck. So in this case, um, you know, it's point seven. So, so your count really um, mathematically is 2.1, 2.2. So you round off to two. Again, I know that's a little bit of mental. You know, if, uh, if I could just summarize, what I, what I think I hear yeah. you saying is that if you start with a fresh deck and you pull a 10 off the top, now you got a minus one count. Uh, right. Minus one, when it when you got the whole deck left to deal, is a lot less information than if it's the last card in the stack when you have perfect information. So as you go through right. the deck, uh, the, the value of knowing the count changes based on how many cards remain. Right. It becomes truer. The <laughs> yeah, count becomes right. truer yeah, the more cards. Yeah. That's right. More, it becomes more accurate or truer. So that, that's why in, in, the, in the industry, we call it a true count. So the true count usually, not always, but usually is, is a little different than the running count. It's, it's, it's usually a little higher or a little lower depending on where you are. You know, yeah. I, I, um, I was uh, in Vegas recently, and one of the things that I noticed is they're using the shuffling machines. Now, they've always used these shuffling machines, uh, you know, to kind of shuffle the cards a little faster. But what, what they're doing is instead of putting the uh, the discards into one of those like clear trays that you could see, they just throw them back into the machine. So they're constantly shuffling uh, the cards. Can you play right. against that? No, stay away from those tables at all costs. Those are those are like you said. Those are what are called continuous shuffle machines, and they deal out you know a round or two of of blackjack. And then they take the, and they and they put those cards in the discard tray. And then after a couple of three rounds, they take the discard and they just stick it right back into that automatic shuffle machine. And it just keeps recycling. 
So you, you can, as a card counter, you can never, ever get a true count or even a running count for that matter. I mean, accurately, because they just keep, they just, they, they recycle the, 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 the used cards and they just you know, put them right back always, in their machine. You know, it always uh, surprised me about this. You know, Vegas doesn't like to lose. I mean, I, I get that. In fact, those giant hotels, they were not built by winners. We all know that. They were built by losers, right? Uh, so Vegas likes to win. They don't like to lose. But the funny thing is a guy like you who can beat the casino, uh, you know, I don't know how much money you take out of the casino, but, but what it does is it stimulates thousands and thousands of other people who do not practice as hard as you, who do not work as hard as you to go there and say, hey, I read a book. I bought a little card. I know what the basic strategy is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring 500 bucks to see how it goes. It seems to me... Like, you know, a little teeny loss to a guy like you has made blackjack the biggest game in all of Las Vegas. So why are they so worried about this? Well, it, it, it has made the uh, one of the biggest table games in Vegas. And, and kind of like uh, what you just said, and I'll elaborate, what happens is, is that the general public hears that the game of blackjack in a casino can be beaten. Okay, they hear that and they know it. Okay, so they, they, they look at a basic strategy card, you know, uh, that they, they buy in the, in the casino gift shop and they look at it for 10 minutes and, or they, 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 they get a book on blackjack and they're reading it on the plane flight out to Vegas, you know, and, and they think, they think, you know, within, within a half hour or an hour of just looking at a few uh, uh, pages in a book or they, they can become, it, it doesn't work like that. Nothing in life, as you know, works like that. The, the, the blackjack card counters, professional counters are trained assassins in the casino. They've put <laughs> many, they've put, they've put a ton of hours into their craft and trust me on that. Cause I have, and I've seen guys that blow me away. They, they live and breathe by, by card counting. So it's, it's just not that simple. And because of that fact, because of that fact, hordes of potential card counters have have assaulted on the casinos in Vegas and everywhere else in this country and around the world. And they think they can beat the casinos, but in reality they can't because they haven't put the time and the energy and well, the effort in. And let, let's, so, let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back to something else. Uh, there were two other things that you said that I want to remind everybody who's listening, how important they are. Number one is you said that the hourly rate that you earn is 1% of your action. So if you're playing with $5 and, and you, you bet, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, 60 hands an hour, that's 60 times right. is $300 of total action. 1% is $3. And that's, that's right. So now, what I've always heard. Yeah, so that'd, that'd be about $3. If you're playing with $100 chips, number one, uh, the dealers at a $100 table are much better dealers. They put their best dealers because they want the action to move faster at the better. Is that right? Is that true? that's that's absolutely true correct so so you might get 150 uh, instead of 60 hands you might get 100 hands in an hour when because they're probably less right. busy tables and everything so you get 100 100 that's 10,000 and you make one percent that's 100 bucks an hour so if you're playing right. you know, and you can do the math after that but the point is you got to move a lot of money to make any money in this game number two is one little error might give back all the profit for the whole day uh, true. Um, it, it's, it's not, it's not that devastating, um, making one error. Um, 
but it's 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 vital. It's essential that you you don't make any errors. I mean, you really got to know your craft. But um, yeah, you hit on a point there just a second ago about you've got to move a lot of money to make any decent money. That is true. But here's the good here's the good side of that. People don't realize, but if you're playing a hundred dollars uh, a hand. And let's say your average bet is two hundred dollars a hand, and let's just round off. Let's say you're at a, you know, you're you're at, uh, the dealer's pretty pretty fast and pretty accurate, and you're playing a hundred hands an hour. So you know you're moving you're moving you know twenty thousand dollars an hour, right? Two hundred. Yeah. yeah. So you're moving twenty thousand an hour. And let's let's round again. Let's let's say the whole. Let's say you're there in Vegas for a whole weekend, and you you play um, you play ten hours. You know you're you, you just moved two hundred thousand. Believe it or not, the mo- people don't realize how much money is actually moving across the table. Now it never feels like that because you're winning a few hands, and then the deal is running a few hands, and the money's going back and forth. But in reality, in reality, at a long weekend, now for me, I've I've actually. I've moved, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand across the table in a long weekend, literally. And, and it's it, it's it's mind-boggling for the public to hear that, but it's, but that's the reality. So now, so getting back to our, our math, if I'm moving six, seven, eight hundred thousand across the table in a weekend, and let's say I have a decent <coughs> weekend, and the numbers the numbers play out, you know, um, you know, one percent, uh, I'll make I'll make six, seven, eight, eight, eight grand that weekend. And are you kidding me? Tax free? That's a great weekend. That's an excellent weekend, by the way. Yeah. Well, listen, that's uh, that's the thing, and people really don't realize, uh, you know, that the, the money's moving. Uh, the casino is very, very clear about this. They understand their business very, very well. They put their very they best do. dealers at the highest value tables where they're moving the most money, because a counter makes one percent of their action, but a non-counter, a regular person. What what do they what do they lose? What, what's the house take those people? Yeah, great question. Um, the house generally now, if you're if you're playing perfect basic strategy, but you're not, I repeat, not card counting, you're you brought the house edge down to about um, a half a percent. So you're losing at about a half a percent of your total action, a half percent. That's again not counting playing perfect basic strategy. On the other hand, and this is where most unfortunately of the of the general public falls into if you're not counting and you're not playing perfect basic strategy and trust me over the last 30 years i've seen just some horrible and i mean horrendous <laughs> blackjack players at the table and they're, they're they're just they're just i mean they're 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 annihilating basic strategy and and these people these people literally are playing at anywhere from a two to maybe you four to five percent disadvantage disadvantage so so if they're moving those kind of big numbers and hopefully they're not but if they are uh, they're going to be losing thousands mathematically speaking now even these guys can get lucky once in a while but in the long run in the long run the law of probability dictates that these people are going to lose it at, at anywhere from two to five percent if they're playing okay, let's, so that that brings up another good question um you talked about luck and you talked about the long run. Mathematically, I've always heard that the long run is 400 hours. Uh, yeah. Um, what, in a nutshell, what I've always heard was 500. So we're, we're pretty close right there. 
I've always, I've always been told 500 or more hours is, is the long run. Now, uh, speaking of four or 500 hours, real quick, that, that's a lot of hours. Um, on a good weekend for me in Vegas, um, if I could put in, you know, let's say, let's say I, fly, I fly to Vegas on a Friday, you know, after, after a half day of work or whatever, and then leave Sunday night, if I could put a good 20 hours in, that, that, that's a big, long, heavy-duty weekend of, of blackjack and card counting. But you and I right now, we're talking four to 500 hours. That's a lot of weekends in Vegas. Well, that's, that's the reason that the casino always wins in the long run is because they are there for the long run. Uh, individual right. players, uh, you know, luck is what happens every single hand, uh, is, you know, in anything less than 400 hours. It, it, it's actually mathematically, I, I've heard somebody say that it's luck is actually standard deviation. It's what, whatever the, the, it, the abnormality is. Right. That, that's, that's exactly what standard deviation. And by the way, the standard deviation in blackjack is 1.1. And basically what that means is um, um, standard deviation is basically, uh, if you can picture a bell curve, the mathematical bell curve, okay, one standard deviation means that based on your average bet, and how long you're playing, you're going to win or lose within one standard deviation, which is about 67% of the time. You're going to lose, uh, a win or lose, uh, that range of money, okay? Um, two standard deviations goes out about 97, 98%, and three, three standard deviations is 99%, meaning, so three, three standard deviations means that you're going you're gonna to win or lose a certain amount, a range of, of money, 99.9% .9 of the time, you're going to fall into that bell curve of either winning or losing money. Those, that's what three standard deviations are. And that's, so let's, so like let's, said, let's, let's kind of bring this back to the business of gambling, because gambling called gaming is a business. And these people in Las Vegas, these corporations and organizations that run these uh, facilities, they thoroughly understand the mathematics. They understand the long term. They understand uh, the standard deviation. They know whatever the things are, they understand it. And they understand right. it a lot better than us. And that really, that imbalance is really where consumers go wrong. One of the things that I always talk about is that when it comes to money, everything's rigged. Because when it comes to money, everything is absolutely rigged. Now, uh, it's not illegal. Uh, you know, in fact, right. in Las Vegas, they don't even call it a rig. They just call it the house advantage. We all know that there's a house advantage. So when you right. sit down at a blackjack table, if you play perfect basic strategy, you just said you have a tiny disadvantage, like a half a percent. But if you're Correct. a terrible player and you're not playing the, that little card uh, that you can buy in the gift shop, then you could lose uh, two to four points an hour based on your action, on your average bet, multiplied by the number of times it circulates on the table. That could be, that could be, uh, you know, you could be moving a lot of money in uh, in an hour or two. So absolutely, which is why people lose so much money because the uh, the house rules are disfavorable to them, uh, and and the house knows that in the long run uh, that they're going to win. Which is which is why it's funny that they're so superstitious in the short run, but you know, but they are right. So. Uh, it just—it's amazing how much uh, there is to know about this game. That uh, now, what about what about other uh, games? Is it possible to beat craps the same way, or are other games? No, different? 
No, no. Um, um, most other games are what mathematicians call independent trials, meaning that a game of craps where, you know, you roll two dice, you toss two dice, each roll of the dice is mathematically independent of the previous roll and the ensuing roll. So uh, the house edge is basically fixed in the long run on, on games like craps and roulette and, and Baccarat and so on and so forth. So um, th- those, th- those are independent trials. So you, you, in the long run, you cannot mathematically beat those games. That, on the other hand, what about these guys? You know, there's a lot of a lot of these um, a lot of these guys I've seen. Uh, they throw the dice in a certain way, and and they have a certain right. advantage. Because is that is that real or is that somebody? It, no, it's, it, no, no, no. It it is real. It's called controlled dice throwing. And what these guys do is they practice. They get they they actually they buy a a real life size you know authentic craps table stick it in their home or garage and they they actually practice for you know endless hours of tossing two dice across the length of a craps table but again i'm 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 not an expert in this field so i I can't elaborate too much but I, i have read a little bit on it and what i know is is that um through uh you know leveraging their arm and 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 just releasing the dice in a certain manner these guys can um they they say they can they can alter um you know the number seven coming up just so slightly that it actually it actually gives them an edge now you know, again i'll tell you that, whether that's true or not i don't know but it's it's funny that that you describe that because i wrote a, a blog post uh, some time ago that roulette dealers who all day long are shooting a little ball can actually, after a while, kind of figure out about what range that ball is going to drop into. And maybe, maybe they can alter slightly alter the randomness of the game. They don't totally take it away, but I wonder, and, and I don't know, I've talked to some dealers and they've said that after a while, you know, you kind of get a feel for it. You know, you do something eight hours every day, day after day, you kind of catch on to, you know, maybe you get a little edge. Maybe there's less randomness to it than we think. Right. I'll tell you something. Um, that's what's known as the biased wheel. And there, believe it or not, um, not as much now because the casinos have caught on to the biased wheel. But, uh, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, for sure. What happened is, is that um, there were teams of roulette players that would go from casino to casino and they would make small minimum bets and watch the wheel and, and the balls and, and, and watch where they would land and a biased wheel and, and, and how, how a biased wheel comes about is that the casinos in the older days, they didn't change out the roulette wheels frequently enough. They would keep the same roulette wheel spinning and spinning, you know, day in and day out, month after month. And what happens is, is that when they, when these roulette wheels spin, you know, over and over for months and months, uh, the, the, the base of the wheel would wear out. And it would start to wear out and possibly even slightly, just fractionally lean towards one, one side of the wheel. And therefore, if you had, a, if you had that uh, imbalance in the roulette wheel, the ball 
would naturally gravitate to that section of the wheel. And that's where these professional uh, roulette wheel uh, guys would come in and, and, and exploit a biased wheel. And they used to make hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of dollars over these over these biased wheels and the, the casinos didn't realize it. And they finally eventually obviously caught on. And now that's the reason that unfortunately the biased wheel doesn't work too much anymore because casinos are changing out these wheels much more frequently or they're much, they're much more elaborate too. So they don't wear out as much, but that's, that's what I think you were alluding to is that. No, I was, uh, it was not I, actually, that, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I, I'm actually talking about yeah. the, 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 the dealer who, the guy who flicks the ball can actually, you know, after a while, learn oh. how to do it, and they oh. would work in cahoots with a player. And, oh yeah. Although, to be honest, I, I haven't I haven't read or seen much about a, a, a biased roulette dealer the way he flicks the ball. But you know, there there is probably some merit in that because anything that a human being can touch or handle in a casino can ultimately be manipulated. You know what's so, what's really what's really yeah. fascinating about this discussion, and I really appreciate <laughs> you uh, having this conversation. Sure. Is that my pleasure? Uh, it's a game of cat and mouse. You know, the casino really makes the rules, and then the people try to you know outfox the casino, and then the casino figures some out. So you got the mathematicians come in, work on the cards, and then they change the uh, the number of decks. They change the the way that the shufflers work. They change the way the discard works. They change the odds. I mean, the casinos are constantly changing things. I've seen over time, some of these casinos don't pay three to two on blackjack anymore. I mean, some pay six to five, some pay even money. I mean, they've changed a lot of things. And, and how, does, how does a regular player, not a, not a professional blackjack player, uh, how does that person take into account the disadvantage that comes with, with those rule changes? Yeah, unfortunately, over the years, over the decades, uh, the game of blackjack, uh, as we once knew it, has definitely deteriorated. And that's unfortunate. Um, they're just, it, it, the, the casinos, like they didn't make enough money uh, when they used to pay three to two. Um, so now they're changing the blackjack payouts to six to five, or like you said, even some even money, which is um, horrendous. Basically my advice to the public, whoever, you know, uh, all your listeners is do not sit down and play any blackjack game that doesn't have the original standard rules, which is, and just for an example, you know, three to two payout on blackjacks, um, you know, double downing after splitting, you can split, any first two cards, you know, these, these are the general basic rules that blackjack always had. And to answer your question, the, the game has been eroding. You just, as the general public, you want to stay away from those games, stay away from those games. And unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of the public does play those games. And so the casinos are happy and they, and that's why they keep offering them because the public will come. If they put it out there, the public will come. Well, that's, that's, I can't get that message out strong enough that the public needs to stay away from all those, uh, those terrible rule blackjack games. This has been just the most remarkable discussion. It's so eye-opening. It is so uh, interesting to see how these casinos work and how players work the system. Uh, is there anything that you want to close with that uh, just kind of winds us down as we, as we kind of get to the end of this uh, time together? 
Well, if your listeners would like, I could definitely get into uh, some of my own personal uh, wins and losses uh, over the years, a few little uh, personal uh, stories they might like. So, All right. Well, you uh, know, I was a little hesitant to ask you about that because it starts kind of bordering on personal information and we kind of try to keep it a little business. But if you don't mind, you if you want to dish it a little bit on, on what you've actually done and what you've accomplished and uh, how this uh, how this game or sport? Do you think of it as a game or a sport? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I've never never actually uh, been asked that. Never thought of it. Uh, it's uh, y- you know, at a professional level, it's probably sport. <laughs> okay, well, listen. So but, uh, you know, so to tell us, you know, I mean, first of all, how often do you play? Well, I've I've winded it down. I've I've, I've toned it down a little over over the last few years, but. Um, God, in my heyday, oh boy, I used to play probably at least once, maybe twice a month. And when I say that, I would uh, that means either a day trip, like uh, to some of the local casinos, uh, without giving too much away, let's say in Southern California, versus a weekend in Vegas, or maybe even a little longer. So uh, w- one to twice a month in my heyday. Um, now I'm playing, you, you, probably, play, you play at some of the Indian casinos or only, only in I, no, no, uh, a- anywhere, anywhere they offer a good solid blackjack game. And like we spoke earlier, that means the good rules and, you know, some, some fairly high limits and cause you don't want to be restricted. So anywhere there's a good game, I, I definitely go and attack. And that's definitely Indian casinos. There are a lot of good. Indian casinos out there that offer really good blackjack games. You just got to look for it. So really. And so, yeah. so you go out a couple times. I mean, what do you, uh, you know, what, what table stakes do you play? I mean, I mean, what's, what's your typical. I, great question. I generally play uh, uh, and have been for many years at the uh, black chip level, which is hundred dollar chips. And my bet range is usually between 100 to 500. My bet spread. So, so, so you were talking about spread before, like somebody come in, bet $5 and then go to 500. That's unreasonable, but so right. if you go 100 to 500, like five to one, that's kind of a good spread. Right. That, yeah. Um, mathematically, if you can get away with a one to eight or, or even better, a one to 10, if you can get away with it, that that's where the real money comes in. Now, of course, uh, without going into too much detail, some of the pros and the teams, they'll, they'll, they'll actually get away with, you know, one to a hundred. They'll, they'll bet, they'll bet a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. And then and the table max is 10. And then all of a sudden the count will get high and they'll put 10,000 in the betting circle. So they'll get away with a one to a hundred bet spread and, 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 and even beyond. But uh, for me, it, it generally were, you know, to keep it safe and, you know, I don't want to raise too many eyebrows. It's, I, I do a one to five bet spread. How do those guys get away with, uh, with, with one to a hundred? I mean, they must be playing. They're they're not playing individual. They must be playing team. No, they're playing. That's exactly what they do. They play in the teams, and that's a whole different category. Team play, but um, um, yeah, basically what they do is they have what's called a spotter, a guy who will be sitting at the table counting down a deck, betting just the minimum, and then through a very subtle bodily motion with his arm, his hand, with whatever, he'll signal in what's known as a BP, a big player, and this player will come in and bet table max and maybe on several hands and they're working in cahoots together. So they're, they're literally getting away with a one to hundred bet spread, but you have to, you have to work, you know, 
uh, with a team. And that takes, that, that's a whole other ball game. That takes a lot of hours of practice and so on and so forth. Wow. That, that's, uh, so you, uh, so you play, um, you know, one to five, maybe sometimes one to eight. So you're, you're playing hundred dollars, uh, 500 bucks, give or take. And you know, some of these tables, are these tables usually full or are they usually not too full? Uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the, uh, little, little hiccups with, uh, you know, professional or advanced card counting is that when you're, when you're playing by yourself, you know, a lot of times, you know, the public will come and sit down right next to you. And, and, uh, that's happened before and it's hard to shoo them away. You know, it's not really the right thing to do. And you can try and reserve a table, but you know, that, that's hard to do. You just, you don't want to do too much to stand out. So, so a lot of times, you know, I'll be sitting by myself and then all of a sudden Joe public comes and sits down and, and, uh, before you know it, the table's full and that's not too good because I've, I've actually been playing at a table that's full and the count went astronomically high, went through the roof. I put out a big bet and everybody around me is getting 20s and blackjacks and I end up with a 14, a hard 14. Well, you know, and, and worse, worse of all is that the amount of, um, of action that you do in an hour goes down by, uh, by seven. Absolutely. When you're playing heads up, you, you know, if you're fast and quick, you can get a hundred, 120, 140, I've known guys that get up to, you know, 180, 200 hands an hour, an hour. Well, especially if you're playing multiple hands at one time, that's a whole other deal, right? Right. right. Yeah. That's the, yeah. So if you're at an empty table and, and, and the count is, is just neutral, it's going along, you're playing one hand, one hand, one hand. Then all of a sudden the count shoots up. It's actually mathematically advantageous to not only make your bets uh, vertically higher, but you want to spread your bets horizontally, meaning, multiple multiple betting spots as well so so you know so instead of so instead of going you know on one hand from one 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 hundred dollars to ten thousand instead of doing that vertically you'll spread your bets horizontally and go uh uh three hands of three thousand let's say so there's nine grand you know so, I, mean, so, I mean let's just say so let's say you're playing a hundred dollar hands uh, you got one or two, three hands going, whatever you're doing. All of a sudden, it uh, count jumps, you know, and you move your bet to 500, you know, and you got now you got three stacks of 500 out there. I mean, does, right. does the dealer recognize that? Does the, the pit box recognize that? Who's Who pays attention? They, they, they all recognize it, and you got it. And that, that's, that's where the art of a really good professional card counter comes in. You've got to uh, – a, a really good exceptional card counter can actually uh, keep the count, the running count, and, and the true count and actually have a light conversation with the dealer simultaneously. That's when you know you've arrived as a professional card counter. You can actually talk to the dealer and or the pit boss and still keep that, that number, that running count in your head. Now, and, and the reason you want to talk to these people is to throw them off from concentrating on what you're actually doing at the table. So in other words, if, if you're talking to the dealer and the dealer is talking back to you, the dealer hopefully isn't noticing as much that you're spreading your bets from one bet of, of 100 to three bets of 500. I mean, they're going to notice, but if you're talking to them, that, that might, that might you know, diffuse the situation well, as opposed to just keeping your mouth shut and just sitting there and playing, playing you know, 100 to $100, and then all of a sudden going to you know, three hands of 500 or a thousand it, it, when you're not talking to the dealer that stands out like a sore thumb to, to, well, to the it, dealer. It, it might not be so much that that you know you throw them off their track 
but they kind of look at you and go, if this guy can talk and fool around and laugh and joke, there's no chance he can do all that other stuff too. Exactly. And that's, that's what separates the good from the great counters. That right there. Yeah. Have you ever met, have you ever met any of these great guys? Like some of the really heroic guys? I I have, I I have, um, um, you know, these guys, you know, the, the top guys, you know, they write, they wrote the books and uh, we mentioned Thorpe, Edward Thorpe earlier, one of the other giants in the industry that's been around for, you know, 40, 50 years is a gentleman by the name of Stanford Wong. Oh yeah. Now that's an alias. That's, that's not his real name, but, uh, he's, he's one of the godfathers of blackjack and card counting and the whole deal. And, uh, another brilliant mathematician who took to blackjack and revolutionized the game in the late sixties, early seventies. Anyhow, bottom line is I met him at a blackjack tournament down at the Barona casino in San Diego many years ago. And what a great guy. And we were, we were, we were just talking and just, Oh my God, a lot of fun, very intelligent. You can tell just super high IQ almost to the point of intimidation, you know, but yeah, I met him and I met a few other guys along the way. So, but he, he's one that stands out Stanford Wong. Well, those guys are, um, they're remarkable people and they've gone in to do great work and in, in different things. So, so tell oh, us, so, um, you ever, you ever had a giant win? Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm sure your listeners are, you know, waiting with bated breath for, for, for some numbers like this, but, uh, so over 30 years, um, again, now I'm, I'm not what you would call, you know, a super high roller. I, I try and, you know, stay under the radar myself, you know, um, so, but betting on the one to 500, uh, level, 100 to 500 level, uh, for example, for example, uh, biggest, biggest, uh, weekend win I've ever had. Um, I was up uh i once walked out for the weekend with seventeen thousand dollars in pure profit wow from playing just just blackjack yeah 17 grand um that particular weekend i was actually up twenty thousand just over twenty thousand at one point um unfortunately um i and i hate myself for this i didn't i didn't walk out and and leave the town drive home or fly home with twenty thousand and i should have because it's such a nice round number. It's got a nice ring to it, 20 grand. Um, and I didn't think about it at the time. Yeah, I didn't think about it at the time. But um, actually, uh, I ended up I ended up literally, um, you know, driving home with 17,000 in my pocket. Now, that was that was the most I've ever made just card counting playing open blackjack in a casino. I've had some fortunate uh, other trips where, for example, if you'll allow me, I, I played blackjack tournaments. I once won a blackjack tournament at the Treasure Island Hotel on the on the on the Vegas Strip, and that tournament netted me in cash twenty thousand. But in addition to the twenty thousand I made in the tournament, I won I won an extra six thousand playing just regular open blackjack in the casinos. So I actually drove home that weekend with twenty six thousand. God, that's uh, that's not bad yeah, for a tax- weekend, you know. And you, you play, yeah. uh, oh, you know. Now, what, what about this? You know, I mean, these casinos—they're they're giving out perks and comps and a free dinners, and uh, they have uh, these casino clubs. You do any of that stuff? I I actually do. I I I 
I did it for many years. Um, and for many years, I, I didn't use an alias, um, you know, a fake ID, fake name. I used my real name, but unfortunately that kind of caught up to me. And I, I got into, you know, using some aliases, uh, you know, fake IDs. And technically, um, you know, there are people in the witness protection program all over this country and all over the world that, you know, have to, have to use aliases, fake IDs. So it's, it's technically not illegal to use a fake ID in a situation like a casino or you walk into a movie theater or whatnot. Now, if you're doing some, if you want to go into a bank and get a loan, yeah, that's where it's illegal. But to use a, a fake ID in a casino, it's, it's technically, I looked this up, it's not illegal. So you can go into a casino with a fake ID. And I started doing that. But before I did that, uh, when I was using my real name, of course, I was getting all the, all the perks. And to be honest, uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I haven't paid for a room in Vegas in probably 30 years. So that, that's, that's part of the perks. And, you know, free meals and even world-class entertainment. We've seen Paul McCartney, uh, Madonna, U2. Uh, I mean, we, we've really just, you know, we're, uh, whining, dining, world-class entertainment. A lot, a lot of it, a lot of it was free. And that's, that's one of the big perks about, about card counting and playing a lot of blackjack. So that was fantastic. Well, listen, let me, let me just uh, tell the uh, listeners, uh, you're not an attorney, right? I, I am not an attorney. So, so don't take, uh, you know, his, his advice, his legal advice uh, about uh, making any ideas right. I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever. It's, uh, you know, listen, professional card players have to do what they have to do, but uh, you know, that doesn't mean we have to do it. So, Right, um, right, yeah. Speaking have you, have you ever advice. have you ever taken a big loss? Yes, I have. Uh, biggest biggest personal loss uh, for a weekend to play, unfortunately, was twenty thousand. Wow, that, so that's that's, that's, about, that's yeah. about your same as you're up. It, yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, now um, uh, just to branch out a little bit, and I'm sure your 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 listeners might enjoy this little story. Um, as a, uh, as a blackjack card counter, um, and, and literally, you know, grinding out, you know, uh, year after year after year, um, a lot of us will tend to get into some other alternative, uh, forms of gambling, uh, mainly of course, where, you know, we can also have an advantage, um, like sports betting or poker or whatnot, you know, where you can work on an advantage. Every now and then, though, um, and this is what's known as camouflage, we like to throw off the casinos by playing, you know, a little bit of some um, non-beatable games just because it, it's what's, uh, I say again, it's what's known as camouflage. We like to throw the casinos off and let them think that we are some just, you know, uh, run-of-the-mill gamblers. Anyhow, the point of my story is, is um, I, I played a little bit of what's known as pie gal poker. Now, some of your listeners may may or may not know about this game, but it's basically just seven-card uh, stud poker. And you divide the seven cards into two cards, and in a nutshell, you need to beat the dealer on both cards. Anyhow, a lot of these casinos have what's called a progressive pie gal. And I used to play a little of this just to, just to throw off the casinos a little bit if they were watching me, and this way they see me playing this, this non-beatable game. Anyhow, long story short, I was playing... Um, Pie Gal Poker in a uh, India casino down in San Diego, a very respectable casino down there. And it was about 3.30 in the morning, and I was with a couple of buddies. 
and they have this progressive bet where you you pay a dollar and you 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 place it into the betting circle a dollar and um if you happen to get a seven card straight flush you can win the maximum jackpot and it turns out the maximum jackpot at this point uh was ninety thousand dollars and believe it or not you're hearing it straight from me and i swear on my life i ended up getting a seven card straight flush which i looked up is approximately eight hundred thousand to one odds and i ended up winning 90 i ended up winning ninety thousand dollars that particular weekend that's amazing so, that, that is yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, and it's that, a great story but yeah. it's a true story i swear and that's that's story. taxable money isn't it uh, now that one unfortunately was taxable. They took twenty percent out, so you know about eighteen grand. So, uh, but I, I drove home that weekend with um, just over seventy grand. And did they pocket. give you? Did they give you that money in uh, in, in stacks of hundred dollar bills, or did they write you? No, no. They they actually they 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 ask you how you want it, but I didn't I didn't want to carry out seventy thousand in um, in cash. So what I did is I, I actually took a check for $55,000 and I took the rest, which was about 15, 16 grand in cash. Yeah. So that was technically that's the, the most money I've ever won in a casino was 90,000. Wow. Okay. But again, yeah, again, blackjack 26,000 with a tournament, 20,000 on my own biggest loss, 20,000, but it just, oh, it, it was, and again, it's, so it's, tell me it's, something. It's, it's, are, are you the kind of person that lives for the rush? I mean, it feels, it seems to me like it's got to feel like being on a roller coaster up, down, it, up, down. It, it, it is. It, and there is a rush, but it's just, it, you know, in the long run, it's just, it, it, you know, if you're successful after a while, it's not even about the money. It's, it's just going in and be able, being able to beat these, these casinos, these mighty behemoths, you know, with, with, hundreds of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars behind them and all that security and the personnel and this and that. And you go in, like we spoke earlier, you're the little, you're the little mouse and they're the cat and they're trying to catch you. But you know what? Sometimes the mouse, you know, skirmishes in, grabs a piece of the cheese and gets out before they ever spring the trap. And that right there is the greatest feeling of all. Well, you know what? And that's what the inside track's all about, man. You, uh, you absolutely yeah. live on the inside track. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. All right. Hey, listen, Mike, thanks it. very much for, uh, for sharing. This was uh, amazing. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll watch you play some cards. I'd love it. Absolutely. All right, man. Listen, thanks very much. Really, uh, really appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Take care. Okay. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.